Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. a special show tonight. Hey, Charlie Robinson. Why did you explore the dualities of American culture in your riveting new book, Hypocrazy? I had to do it. It was a compulsion. I had to write about it. I started I started compiling research documents accidentally. Uh, I had finished my second book, The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire. And mm-hmm. while I was working on, well, actually, while I was still finishing that up, I was compiling story after story, crazier than, one crazier than the last one, of hypocritical behavior in the government and in the you know media stories about some of you know people saying one thing and doing another thing and just constantly getting busted for this and i just may i just kept i'd find an interesting article i'd clip it i'd save it i'd put it in a file i got to a point where i went through the file and it, there was so much information in there and i had to figure out how to best organize it so what i did was i the book hypocrisy uh, surviving in a world of cultural double standards, and I, I focused on eight main topics just to kind of get, you know, just to get us uh, going. Um, uh-huh. I didn't want to. I could have. I could have. I could have con- continued on um, writing endlessly about uh, all these different. Uh, components of this, but I decided to focus on eight primary ones. I went after the woke mob because they're just hysterical. They're, uh, that you, they're, I couldn't ask for such comedy gold than what the woke mob gives me, so I had to take that. <laughs> I went after the corporate media uh, and their, you know, the, the disgustingness of them. I went after um, the, co- the cult of covid I went after religion because when you're talking about hypocrites, you got to talk about organized religion. And I recognize that that makes some people angry. 
But if I'm going to be honest and if I'm going to be objective about this, you got to drag religion into it as well. I took on big business. I went after the war machine. I went after the government and then society in general. So nobody was left out. There's literally 400 footnotes in this book. The, ins- the insanity that is currently happening in this world is so remarkable and pervasive that I had to make sure that I gave everybody the proper footnotes because some of the things are so <laughs> insane that you would just assume, I would assume, that the, that the author was being hyperbolic or trying to be funny or I, I couldn't be funny enough to come up with some of the concepts that are in, in the book, some of the insanity that we're experiencing. So, so I wanted to do this. I wanted to take, a, take a, a, a snapshot of what we're currently experiencing here in America. The hypocrisy is rampant. I wanted to do it in a, in a way that was funny, uh, that made, made light of these things so that we could digest them and not get too frustrated with them. <laughs> And so that we can then eventually move past and fix these things. So that's that's where the the the, the impetus for the book came from. It's it was a lot of fun. I'll be honest with you. The hardest part about writing the book was was whittling out all the stuff that wasn't going to go in it. You know, was trying to because there was too much. There was too much information. You know, if you're talking about the mainstream media's endless lies and their hypocrisy. I mean, that's a book in and of itself. So I had to sort of get in there and get real honest about, okay, what's the funny part? What's the serious part? What's this other stuff? Well, let's cut that out. So I had to make the book a manageable size as well after my first two uh, or a little lengthy. So I decided to make this one. This is for the people. This is, this is, I think everybody can appreciate this one. This is the type of uh, Christmas gift you give to somebody and you're either going to get a, a funny response when they read it, you're going to get, uh, you know, that was a good one, or you're going to trigger them to the point where you break their brain. Either way, I'm fine with it. <laughs> okay, so you said it was fun to write. Um, so do you identify as being Carlin-esque? What does Carlin-esque mean? Like George Carlin? Oh, Carlin-esque. Oh, Carlin-esque. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, geez. Listen, I, that uh, – <laughs> Your book uh, that's is funny. A, 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 well, thank you very much, but George – I mean, uh, George Carlin is in – I have him on my Mount Rushmore, okay? <laughs> he is up there. Uh, I aspire to, to be uh, Carlin-esque. But here's the thing is that <laughs> I learned – I learned how I process information and, and how I process it is that I need a little laugh. You know, I need a little, uh, I needed John Stewart at the daily show. I needed him to show me serious stories about things that were actually happening, but I needed it delivered in a way that was kind of smart assy and, and funny. And that worked for me. I laughed at the absurdity of it all, but I understood the message and George Carlin, I put him in that in, in a category like that as well, right? Obviously, he could write history books that would be far more accurate than any history book you're ever going to read in high school. So he's got this, you know, he, he that's the, the 
beauty of being the Joker is that you get the benefit of people saying, well, he's just being funny. We let him say whatever he wants to say. He's a little wacky and kind of crazy. He says those things, but he's just having fun. Well, well, is he? I mean, yes, he gets the flexibility to, to say these things, but is it just fun or is there truth there? And and so that's how I I, I appreciate anybody that can – that can blend the seriousness of the topics that George Carlin covered with the absolute uh, hilarious nature in which he delivered his message. I, I find that to be something that is, um, I mean, I find myself thinking like, what would George Carlin say about what, where we currently are? What would, what would George Carlin have to say about the woke mob? You know, what would he say about BLM? Oh, my goodness. Like, I'm dying to know. <laughs> 53 genders plus George Carlin equals something that I would definitely watch. So so I just try to come at from a, uh, um, from a way that, that, you know, I just try to infuse my dark sense of humor. And some people will get it. And some people will not, and I and I and I fully understand that, and I and I recognize that my my sense of humor may not be for everyone, but but I I I do think that it helps the bad news go down a little bit because I've got bad news for you, and the society is coming apart at the seams right now, and and yeah. and and so we have to laugh at 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 it to keep from crying about it. So if you can find a way to balance that, if you can find a way to deliver these real, this real serious message about kind of where we are as a society and what is happening and what is, what, what is this cultural Marxism that's creeping in and it sounds really scary and what does it mean? So you've got to take all of that seriousness and find a way to make it fun. And that's tough to do. So, so if, I, if I'm able to do it, if I'm able to get you – you know, uh, uh, laughing a little bit at the insanity of it. I think that it. I think that it'll help you sort of hang in there, to to get the to get as much of the story as possible. So that's that's where that's where I'm I'm going, that's where I'm going with it. I, I you know, but George, to to put me in any sort of category with George Carlin would be, though very flattering, would be extremely premature. But uh, but maybe one day, right? Maybe if if. if if I'm continued, if I'm allowed to continue doing what I'm enjoying doing, maybe maybe that'll, maybe we can have that oh, conversation decades from now. Yeah. Uh, George was the master. Uh, yeah, you're an apprentice, or you know whatever you call it, a journeyman. No, you're. It's okay. I'll take that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. You, um, like for an example, um, a. Last year, all, all the Robert E. Lee uh, statues were pulled down. Any any uh, Confederate soldier or general was uh, open target. Um, and just destroy their you know, that that part of history. But you know, you're saying that the. Um, Demographics of you know, those people who are so offended uh, that they are their favorite TV show is uh, South Park, right? And and yet they've um, missed the they've missed the mark completely, right? That they 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 
they're offended by statues, but like they 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 love South Park. Like, how do you reconcile that in your brain? <laughs> I love South Park too. I think it's fantastic. Uh, how? But I, I to me that is incongruent with then going out and being offended by by statues. It's so it's weird to me. It's a weird. It, that's the that's part of the woke culture that makes me um, simultaneously horrified and and but the writer in me fascinated with it you know just just absolutely mm-hmm. fascinated with with the with that line of thinking and that mentality and all of the rituals that go along with it and all of the things that they've prioritized in their heads as being important. I, I, I find myself completely disconnected from those people in a way that they must feel the same towards me if they knew that I existed. Um, but like as a writer, it's just comedy gold. You, 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 you can't, you can't do you you can't do anything funnier than 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 what the woke mob is doing right now it's just it's just a never ending source of of comedy if you look at it that way i know some people get really triggered on twitter and they freak out and they 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 get into these big battles with these with these uh people but but if you can if you can back away from that and take a and take like a come at it from like a humorous approach and watch what's going on there it's the greatest show in the world <laughs> it's just insanity it's it's mental illness masquerading as like manners you know like trying to be so inclusive so that nobody gets their feelings hurt and in the process hilarity ensues you know, it's like it's like the greatest television show in the world. Just watching this this play out, and just watching them just keep stepping on the proverbial rake, you know, and smacking themselves in the face with the rake <laughs> pole. You know, they, they just, they're uh-huh. just going in circles, doing this over and over, again, and you just have to keep laughing. And the pronouns, and the fifty-three genders, and the gen- and I've got I listed I had to list them all in the book. I mean, all the ones that Facebook had, and they make they make zero sense. But but that's part of that's part of the gold is that when you look at that list, you go, this list makes no sense, and then and then you just go, isn't that great? Isn't that hysterical? <laughs> so so anyway, I just have had to I've had to approach this from a totally different direction. Well, I, I've had to just for my own mental health. Sanity, well-being, all that stuff. I've had to approach this from just the, the comedy side. Okay. Well, okay. Uh, that's one approach to dealing with what's going on. Um, others obviously want to take uh, – another approach that's actually detrimental to themselves as well as uh, others. And, you know, I I was just thinking, uh, you know, about today's anniversary. Um, This show wasn't um, 
it was originally set up for another day, and I, you know, just because you're on tonight, it has nothing to do with uh, the 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. And it, um, and I watched a little clip, you know, flip through the channels, and uh, or um, you know, a couple hundred-year-old. Uh, sailors who were on one of the ships and you know, they uh, expressed you know what was uh, you know, or, you know retold uh, what was going on you know, expressed how you know, they felt about it 80 years later and I thought that was um, it was it was uh, powerful. Uh, you know, they lived in that one of the most uh, deadliest moments in American history, and I just wonder what. You know, just say those two survivors of Pearl Harbor would think about like the just America just goes from these like celebrity type legal cases and trials. He had the Brian Landry uh, drama a couple months ago, and then the Kyle Rittenhouse. Now, now the uh, Jussie Smollett, uh, I, I don't even know what you call that. Uh, <laughs> I don't either. Performance uh, art, I yeah, guess? So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and it, yeah, that's just yeah, – just, you know, go, going on as entertainment n- now, and you know, real stories like the Maxwell trial. Um, you know, people don't even know what's going on there. Who's that? You know, type type thing. I, I, yeah. you know, I just wonder, like, what? I I just wonder what. Uh, like. You know, these hundred-year-old servicemen from Pearl Harbor really think about – is, is this garbage what I was uh, you know, do, you know, doing in Pearl Harbor when I was a kid? Yeah, I bet they're just paying attention to what's going on, you know. Uh, I, it, but they seem maybe, like they were maybe, pretty sharp, sharp guys. Yeah, if they're paying attention to what's happening, I would have to think that they've been disappointed for quite a while. I mean, because it, we've made some catastrophic geopolitical decisions, and some of the wars we've been involved in, and the things that like that. I, I would, I would assume that these guys have a viewpoint on war that that none of us can really imagine 
you know, being in it, being a part of that, being, knowing what that fear is like, knowing what, you know, I, I couldn't comprehend that. So I'm, but, so they've, they've got a, a perspective on the world that is really, really tough to replicate. And I, it's a good question, Mark. I mean, like, what do you, what, what could they be thinking now? They, I mean, they could be thinking how disappointed they are. They could be thinking, hey, listen, you're on the verge of of what started this sort of behavior that was the precursor to World War II, the world war that they fought in. We're starting to see, mm-hmm. you know, talk of passports and, and controlled movements and putting people in camps and things like this. This is the beginning of, of World War II types of stories, behavior, behavior modification, identification, quarantining, things like that. I mean, I wonder if they're thinking, you know, that we need to be paying attention and and, and that we don't want to have to do this again, where we wind up in some crazy war trying to fight, fight for our freedoms again. So I don't know. I, I, I would... My my assumption is they would be disappointed because it just seems like where America was, and I know America's not perfect, of, you know, a, a very very far from it. But still, what America was or what America represented in 1945 or you know right after the war, and 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 that goodwill that we had um, for for or at least the perception that we were like the good guys and we squandered that over the decades, you know, getting our noses into business that didn't belong and starting wars and lying about it and things like that. How could they not be disappointed? You know, to to take to take that reputation that they had post-war to where, you know, to, to how America was viewed by the rest of the world versus how we're viewed now, they're terrified of us. They, they look at us as that big drunk who's in the bar bumping into people, picking fights, acting like a jerk, living off its reputation for a long time. And like, we look like that to the rest of the world, and they, and they don't know if we're going to swing at them. You know what I mean? Just turn around and just go, what are you looking at? Swing at them. Because we're so unpredictable and crazy. So so my, my assumption is that they probably are disappointed with our standing in the world. But, but, but it'd be great to ask them. Yeah, I, I, that was just more of a spur of the moment type question uh just just brought on by the uh anniversary it it, it just seems uh like you those guys who were nineteen twenty years old were uh, fighting against a, a threat to you know, republic, democracy, you know, however you want to look at it. And 
Here it is, just the same. Uh, what they were fighting against is just now be- becoming prevalent th- throughout uh, America. Yeah. I think that's one of the interesting aspects you bring up in your book is uh, um, just different – like the eight different sections where you talk about the media, uh, woke mob, or you know, uh, you know we're gonna co- cover a lot of them, but all those um, corporate entities and institutions are all, all responsible for that. Certainly, yeah. you know, this cer- certainly isn't uh, the same America from my childhood. Now the corporations have taken over the the think tanks, the non governmental organizations. They've sort of hijacked the country, and they've offshored it, and they've drained the money out of it. They've sucked the intellectual property out of it. They've offshored uh-huh. most of the manufacturing jobs. I mean, that's why Berwick and I wrote that book, The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire. I mean, we just said, look, this is a country, this is an empire that has been rigged with detonators, and it is slated for demolition. You might want to get out of the way, uh-huh. you know, because and, – and so we we broke that down just sort of step by step and making a, the comparison between how you would – you know, take down a building and how you would take down an empire. And, um, and so while I was writing that book with Jeff, I was, I started hypocrisy. So I, 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 I had the same sort of ideas that were carrying over and it was like, you know, corporations are coming in and, and they're really, you know, once we had Citizens United where corporations could donate as much as they wanted to politicians, I mean, it was over at that point. It's like, what are you going to, what are you going to do? You're going to compete against your interests versus Amazon's interests. Like they can, they can make, they've got enough money to make it go their way every single time. The best you can do is hope that your interests just happen to align with what these big monolithic institutions want. Otherwise you're screwed you have no representation anymore in your government. So, you know, I described it in the book as like they got into the house, you know, these, these lobbyists and, and all this uh, corporate money got into Congress. They got into the government and then they rekeyed the locks and you come home thinking that your democracy key is going to fit in there and that your government officials are going to be working on your behalf and you realize your key doesn't work. It's been swapped out. The corporations have changed the locks on you. You're no longer welcome. And so that is a, that's, some, that's a realization that people have been making over the last couple of decades. They've realized, hang on a second, like what I want doesn't matter at all. It's what Facebook wants because they've got the lobbyists and they've got a, a direct pipeline from the White House into Facebook. You know, so uh-huh. so – we, we, we have to sort of like – I think a lot of people have become demoralized of, of what the government has become, and they, they look at it and they rightly think, what's the point anymore? What's the point of supporting – I can't – why vote for these people? And that was what, one of the funniest things for just to sort of like 
interesting coincidental bit of timing, but, but when Jeff Berwick and I released the controlled demolition book, we put it out the Friday before the elections. And on election Tuesday, it became a number one bestseller in the United States and Australia. And the irony is that if you read the book, you'll never vote. You'll just never participate. You'll just never, ever want to participate in that action anymore. And so we thought, well, you know what? The election has been decided. The book is the book wins. Either we don't like either of these two guys. We don't like Trump. We don't like Biden. We don't like these guys. These guys are awful. Yeah, the uh, pen is mightier than the sword. But we were hoping. Yeah, there's. Uh, yeah, you know, you just mentioned. You know, what's the point of voting? And you know, you know, you do mention in the controlled demolition of America that uh, uh, the destruction of America started with the Declaration of Independence. It, it's been a ongoing uh, process for what 250 years, about 250 years, um, and what one of the um, uh, uh, most popular books. It's been out for what? What a couple weeks? Uh, just, uh, just a couple weeks. Um, is um, with it. Um, uh, what's uh, Mol- uh, Molly? Uh, I just uh, forgot her last name. I, she, she wrote Rigged. Oh, I haven't heard of it. Um, yeah. I have to look that up. Off. Do want to show? But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just kind of ties in with um what you've been saying about. It. I, you, you almost don't care anymore, uh, Molly Hemingway. Got it. Yeah, it says how the. Yeah. Right, how the media, big tech, and seized our elections by Molly Hemingway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That sounds like something right up my alley. I haven't heard of it, but yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's uh, a. a, I I think it just came out very recently, and it's doing very well. Um, Yeah, you just really have to wonder how long has this been going on you, you happen to mention you know, it's like just you know 20 years and you know, things have gotten bad but uh in you know, your other book uh, you know, you're in Jeff's book you're taking it back even farther and how yeah how long had these globalists really um, been envious of America. You know, it, it, you know, let's just get rid of America. It, you know, that, yeah. that would be uh, part of the duality that continues to go on. Uh, you know, a lot of Americans want their freedom, but you know, this other group. Uh, you know, how many of these uh, commentators just sit, sit there and talk about all this? Uh, you know the Soros-funded 
organizations that are supplying you know the looting materials right and nothing's being done about it that's in your book as well yeah there's i mean they during the the riots this is part of the part of the book that you know like I had to footnote this. This was an example of I had to footnote this story because otherwise it sounds like I'm just trying to make a joke out of it. But during the mostly peaceful protests, there were pallets of bricks that were showing up on the scene, right? It, they just they weren't there for any sort of construction project. They weren't uh, they weren't there for renovations or anything of the sort. They just were there on the corners but they had the name of the company that was delivered or i don't know if they were delivering them or it was it was their it was their brick company and the name of the company was acme bricks and i and it's like the roadrunner in coyote you know what i mean mm-hmm. and and yeah. you and so i'm i'm you know in my mind i'm immediately going like this is really serious like they've got the Roadrunner and Coyote involved in it now. Like this is this is a serious riot. You know they've got Acme Brick. And then I and then I started thinking, they're they're clearly messing with us, right? There's no possible way that I mean, yeah. Besides the fact that the, uh, I'm not even talking about the fact that there's bricks there. I'm talking about the name of the brick company that is straight out of the Roadrunner cartoon, right, where he's always dropping bricks on people and things like that. And and right. I I feel like it's a, I feel like there's part of me that kind of respects them 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 doing that because it's so funny. It's so funny that I could that's why I had to document it because it's like uh, it's not me trying to be funny. It's just the situation is funny. That there that there's this there's this obvious overlap and parallel for anyone in like my generation, generation X, right. Watching those cartoons. And then for that literal brick company, cartoon like style to just be there with a big sign on it. You, you have to appreciate it. You just have to laugh at the absurdity of it all. And, and, and that, and then, but then after you get through that, right. After you get through that layer of laughing at how crazy it is, then we have to talk about the, the, the situation that there's actually bricks there and that somebody paid for them and somebody delivered them there. And they're there for a very specific reason. And the reason is that they want people to pick them up and throw them through windows. So you have to ask yourself, who wants this to happen? It's just the, it's the next logical question. Of course, if you do that in some circles, you're tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorist who's anti-America or something. But where I come from, I want to know who these people are. And so it's like it doesn't take much to figure out it's Soros-connected companies, and he's financing this. And this is a color revolution, much like the Rose Revolution, the, uh, the, the Kyrgyzstan Revolution that he was a part of. The, this is the Black Revolution, the Black Lives Matter Revolution, financed and brought to American soil by George Soros perpetrated co-conspirators, the mainstream corporate media, which legalized propaganda to be used inside the United States on Americans through the Smith Modernization Act of 2012. And who put that through? Obama put that through 
to legalize lying because he was fixing to do some lying. Okay? And so this is America right now. It's legal for them to lie to you. The government took the extraordinary step of changing the, the original 1948 Smith-Munt Act, which prohibited this, since we were already talking about World War II. You come out of World War uh-huh. II, you just saw what propaganda does to people. You saw how bad that is. So they make the Smith-Munt Act of 1948, which prohibits propaganda to be used on the American people. We can use it on other countries. That's totally cool. But we can't use it on our own people because we saw how bad that went just a couple years ago, and we don't want any part of that. Obama changed that. He changed that so that they could lie. And now I would say over the last two years, have we not just been inundated with lies on a variety of topics, not just the one that we're not allowed to talk about? So yeah, we have. Yeah. It's just – it's. It's it's frustrating to recognize that, you know. It's just frustrating that 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 uh, you know. It's like with all the things you could be doing, all the problems that are happening in this country, all the things that you could pri- be prioritizing your time. You sought to go legalize lying to the American people. Wow. You know, just wow. That's so so. When people are quick to defend, you know, what they see on television these days, like, you know, I saw this on MSNBC, it must be true, or I saw it on Fox News, you know, it's like, just remember that that in that information sausage that you get, there is allowed to be a certain percentage of disinformation cricket allowed in the peanut butter mixture you know what i mean like the the allowable amount by the (laughs) fda which is like 6.2 crickets per can or whatever you know what i mean just know that there's there's the allowed lie uh component of it that's just straight lies like direct from the cia there's going to be part of that in the nightly broadcast good luck figuring out what it is right it all gets kind of mixed in there so that's that's where we are. We're, we're in, a, we're in a, 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 an information war with the mainstream media allowed to lie to us and that being brought on and, and cheerleaded by the, the new Biden administration, which has a – I mean to put it mildly, has a problem with the truth. Uh, and please don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to say that I thought – Trump's administration was was being truthful either, but this Biden administration is a very very peculiar flavor of lies. They're very unusual. It's a strange it's a strange sort of like I I like I feel like I'm watching a television show of a presidency, but it's not it's not real. And so it, it feels kind of like a really kind of poorly produced show. And uh, it, like they're not in the Oval Office, right? They're, they're at like sound studios and, and stages. Yeah, the, pl- and, uh, yeah, the Playhouse, it's, it's, the Oval Office Playhouse. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like a – yeah. They're, it's it's – it, none of it in and of itself is necessarily like – alarming but just sort of added all together the fakeness 
and the you remember when he <laughs> I just keep bring I brought this up I think I put it in the book if I didn't put it in the book then shame on me but the um the the part where this summer where Biden was in the electric SUV and he was at the at the like a racetrack someplace and the media okay. walked up to the car and the, the media was like, oh, uh, Mr. Biden, were you going fast in the car? Were you, you know, they were talking to him like he's like he's four, you know, and, and, and he was like and, and he peeled away when he was done talking to, with the media. He peeled away. But in the freeze frame, you could, you know, when people like played it back on online and they and you could see the freeze frame or a couple of the frames, it was clear that the guy in the passenger seat had a steering wheel there as well and he was the guy that was actually driving the car right there were two steering wheels in the car and that guy had access to one too and he was driving and i remember watching that going this is the perfect metaphor for america you know biden is in the car right he's in the driver's seat and he's got his hands on the steering wheel. In this case, in reality, he has his hands on the steering wheel, but he has it on the proverbial steering wheel of America. And yet, in the passenger seat, there's some dude who we couldn't see who it was, but he was really driving the car, the real car. But in my mind, it's like, who's that guy in it? In, in in the Biden administration, who's who's really driving the car? Who's driving the proverbial yeah. Biden car? You know, is it is it the pharmaceutical industry? Is it China? Is it Israel? Like it, it doesn't feel like it's us. Is it the woke mob? Like BLM? Like who's who's driving? Who's the who's the actual driver of this car? And I just thought that that was so like symbolic of of America. Like we don't even know who's driving. And 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 but but the media is going to make it look like their guy is. But there's all. But then you see like a little peek behind the curtain, and you go, oh, but actually it's not that at all. The media is just doing the media thing again, you know. So. A strange time to be awake and aware of all of this stuff. And you know, the example you just gave of um, the, the who was the real driver and the, the uh, photo shoot at the car assembly place. Um, you also had, had I don't know if you saw the that one clip where uh you know the president's uh you know doing something with his hands and it looks like it's going through a microphone yeah and you know, it's like it looks like a green screen uh you know, one of the effects that you get from using a green screen where stuff kind of bleeds through um, other images. So, uh, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, we're talking about the sound studio of the, like, fake Oval Office. Like, what's really going on? Right. It, that's that's, it, the, it, that's it, what I'm thinking. Yeah. 
Go on. And, and what, well, you know, you do have uh, a section on like Hollywood, DC. I think it's in your, um, you know, the controlled demolition book. Uh, you know, Holly, you know, Hollywood, DC, um, in the demolition. Yeah, and, and yeah, there was like Tom Hanks was kind of like what the first celebrity to get uh, an illness we're not allowed to talk about. Yeah, but it, yeah, that kind of you know he he's what uh, pretty much Hollywood royalty now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yep. you know. It, if you enlist him, see, I'll you know, put on this uh, you know, act that uh, he got all sick, and you know, kind of, it just prepares the people for what's uh, what has been yeah. planned for us. Yeah, whole, it, 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 it just really seems like the last few years have been uh, like a movie. Yeah. Let's go back to the Biden thing for for a second. I know I remember what you're talking about. The 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 hand it, it's like a microphone mm. passed like through his hand and and, and it was very unnatural yeah. and it looked very green screened. Yeah. And 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 so so you see that and you say okay that's green screen. And and then you go, well, why would they do that, right? Well, maybe it was because was, it was cold outside or something, you know what I mean? And they didn't want to have him out there. Or maybe they wanted – I don't know. Maybe they wanted to do a couple takes of it, so they just faked it and everything. And you go, that's not the worst crime I've ever heard our government be accused of doing, right? You know, So you just kind of go, well, it's just – it's not an egregious crime. It's just a little unusual. But then you get more and more and more of those. And after a while, it starts to paint a picture that there's just something very inauthentic about what you're seeing. It's kind of yeah. hard to put your finger on it. Um, then, you, then you meet the vice president, Kamala Harris, and she can't answer questions, and she cackles when she's nervous, and she laughs at things you're not supposed to laugh at, and she's very inauthentic, and she does these commercials about NASA, and she brings these kids in that they're all paid actors, and she acts like a total freak. <laughs> and people watch this, and they go, I understand now why she got no no delegates, like when she was running for president. She's really unlikable and very inauthentic as a human being. I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. I'm trying to be – honest to no, God. That's true. Uh, I, it's just it's – kind of, there's something about her that's very inauthentic. It's that same thing that Hillary Clinton has too. It's like they're trying hard to not be psychopathic – but it's just their nature. And so I, I, I see her, I see Kamala Harris, and, and look, look, great that a woman is vice president. I mean, I think that's cool. And, 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 and a woman of color, cool, that's totally fine too. But it's like, I mean, I don't care one way or the other who the vice president is, but, but 
I guess if that's a, a big step for women, then I'm all for it. You know, I'm married to a woman. I have a daughter. Right. I like I like that when 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 those things happen. But she's a diversity pick. Let's be honest, because she's completely unqualified, coming painfully obvious. And Zero Hedge is running articles about her now saying like the, the article that was yesterday uh, talking about how like she is really unlikable. And she fires people for and, – and a third of – you know, like a, a ton of – She's lost her staff. Her yeah. staff already is, are leaving. Mm-hmm. There's rumors that there's even more people leaving. I mean it is, it is a sinking ship over there. And then you have Joe Biden, right? And then and, – and people go, well, I mean who is this guy? And I don't mean that like you – know, it's like – he doesn't seem like he's the same guy he used to be, uh, and he's suffering cognitively. And that's not, again, not trying to be mean or disrespectful, just an observation. And I think a reasonable observation. You know, you get to that age, he's put in, he's got a lot of miles on him. You know, he's 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 not he's not functioning clearly. All right, so it's like, but but to to talk about that gets you now branded as being like a conspiracy a conspiracy theorist or worse, a Republican. They will call you, you know, you're a Republican for, for saying that. It's like, I, why do I have to be on one, one team or the other? Can't I just make a casual observation? Our president is suffering mentally. I mean, our previous presidents are all, <laughs> we're all suffer, suffering mentally. Let's be crystal clear. They're all psychopaths. But, but, but this one is misfiring. Like there's something not working with him, but they're in a bind because they can't replace him with her because she's more unlikable than him. And so we're in this like, like get your popcorn, you know, like this is, this is just going to be like a total disaster and it's going to go on and on and on. And it's going to become so undeniable but the press will continue to not deny its existence, right? That oh, everything's fine with with them both. <laughs> what are you talking about? Don't believe your don't believe your eyes, right? I but I, I fully expect I fully expect this this presidential administration to disintegrate right in front of our eyes, and it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be wild to watch it. They're they're deeply unpopular. <laughs> they're, yeah, like, uh, the, they're like hated. Yeah, the the uh, getting involved with a, a major constitutional issue like Twenty Fifth Amendment. Uh, yeah, th- that would actually be interesting to sit back and watch how, like the what the first case really unfolds. I, I, I don't. I, I don't. Uh, it, uh, other than you know, like uh, the president had a medical procedure, and while he was unconscious, uh, Kamala was technically president. Right. But to actually remove a, a president, and you, you know, you hear. That, that being bandied about all the time now, but it, 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 yeah, and they did it with Trump it, too. 
they get, talked about like, getting getting him out at, at, because he's a certifiable maniac. <laughs> They're like, we're going to get him yep. out. He's crazy. But with Biden, it's like we got to get him out because he's like maybe medically not up to the task. Yeah. And, I, and, for, I, and to be clear, who is? That's a that's a that's a challenging job, even for the best of us. But 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 undeniable that he's he's in he's in some sort of disrepair. I think that's pretty nice. Yeah, and and, and what do you do if the, the vice president really isn't qualified? It, it, like, it, it, this is totally unprecedented. And it, it, it would be fascinating to just sit there and watch what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you think, uh, if you think you don't know who's driving the proverbial Biden car, wait till Kamala Harris gets in the driver's seat. Then, then who knows who's in that secret passenger seat with the extra steering wheel because she's not going to be in charge of anything. She can't get anything done. She has no political clout at all. People think of her as a nothing burger, and a, but a mean one and a vindictive one. She's got a bad reputation in Washington, D.C. It's, it's, it's undeniable now. And, uh, and so what do you do, right? You can't make her the president. I mean, maybe like the woke mob would be like, oh, yes, yes, she's, oh, oh, things are going to change, right? Maybe they'd be super excited about it. Do you think how easily she'd be manipulated into getting us into some sort of war? I mean, it would be, she'd be immediately pressured to bomb Iran. Immediately. And she'd be too weak to deny it. And we'd be in a war within days. I, I mean, Biden, for all his insanity, and God knows he's filled to the brim with it, he's got a little bit more political clout than Kamala Harris does. She's just a nothing in that world. And so, as such, she can be moved right out of the way. So then you don't know, then you don't know who's running the show. But you yeah, just be assume who. You assume it's been a finance, it's been a corporate coup, you know, and it's being run by Eric Schmidt from Google, being run by deep state, the big deep tech people, people, big tech people, yeah. Brian Moynihan, it, it, who wants to spend six trillion dollars a year to put Agenda Twenty One into place, says we're gonna, well, we're going to need six trillion dollars a year. We're just going to have to have that. What? Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, and I guess since, since you just led us into Agenda 21, um, yeah, uh, that's part of you know the climate change stuff. You know, you're involved in uh, real estate. So, why did President Obama invest, you know, a lot of money into a mansion on an island when the sea levels are supposed to be rising? That is a I good like a, question. Yeah, it sounds like. Well, uh, they. Well, they told me I was supposed to ask a question. 
Well, I, I was like, uh, you know, that's aside from you know being a graduate of Harvard's uh, brain, uh, like neurosurgery department, and you, know, you wrote Hamlet too, didn't you? No, don't don't make any difference what the facts are. <laughs> but but you know, you know why why we talk about our lifestyles and you know they must be changed but China's exempt but you know, does anyone really talk about the chemtrails and <laughs> the the relation to uh you know the glaciers melting right well, I always point people to the Club of Rome, their their book Limits to Growth in 1971, where they laid out their crystal clear two paragraph um, dissertation about how they were going to use the threat, the idea of climate change, as the pretext to uh, create a carbon tax that will be used to form a one world government. That's what they wrote in that. That's the Club of Rome, which is David Rockefeller and Dr. Alexander King. Dr. Alexander King is a co-founder of NATO. He's a, um, he, he was deeply involved in the Tavistock Institute. He's the founder of the Committee on 300, of 300. He's one of the most dangerous uh-huh. people to ever live. Uh, those two guys started the Club of Rome. The Club of Rome's document 50 years ago explains the plan how they're going to use the idea of climate change, whether it be real or one invented for this purpose. You know, they talk about how they're going to just say it. And, and so I think it's important for people to understand that, that the, the, the inundation, the information war that's been waged against us over the last 18 months about this virus is going to be is going to pale in comparison to the propaganda war that we get from this day forward till the day we die about climate change because it is the most important component of this global group out there it is going to be the funding mechanism for the next 100 years it's going to make central banking look like nothing. The, to, their idea to tax you for carbon output and on limits that they arbitrarily set and then collect tax revenue on top of that is a scam so genius that you have to just stop in appreciation of it. And it's coming. And it's going to steal what's left of the world's wealth under the guise of saving the planet. And who could ever be against saving the planet, right? But when you watch, yeah. you watch these scientists, you watch the same thing that we've seen with the, over the last 18 months. You see how fast these scientists get bought up and how fast these research institutions start saying the same thing. Twelve years left. And the ice caps are going to melt. Twelve years left. They've been saying that for 40 years. It's a gigantic carbon tax scam 
masquerading and, and, and hijacking a very real problem, which is pollution. So it's like they take all of the things that make you really angry and legitimately angry about what we're doing to this beautiful planet, right? All of this pollution. And they hijack that and they call that climate change. And you've got to pay for that. It's carbon. That's what your the real problem is. It's like, no, no, the real problem is that the Ganges River is so polluted that it kills people. That's the real problem. Not carbon in the atmosphere because that Icelandic volcano that went off a couple years ago, that real big one that like went off for like a month, that put more yeah. carbon dioxide in the atmosphere than all of humans' consumption, combustion engines, all of humanity combined. Okay, so stop with the we're going to get to carbon zero because we have to save the planet. All it takes is one of those volcanoes, <laughs> and it's all for nothing. Okay, so, but that's where the that's where the scam lies is that they've taken this idea of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, which is tree food, which is what we need. If we don't have that in the atmosphere, we're right. all going to uh, die, right? They, but but they've they've conflated that. They've they've confused everybody, and they're telling them that they're when the carbon tax comes out, the uh, the ironic thing will be that once they collect all this money, it's not like they're going to do anything about this en- this problem anyway. And it's like, who decided that you get to collect the toll on this? Well, they did because they're the World Economic Forum. So this is where we're headed. And I think that once people start to see, you know, you get a Project Veritas undercover video at CNN with a producer and the guy goes, yeah, you know, we're just we're, we're going to be pivoting to climate change from now kind of done with the whole Biden Trump stuff. And you hear that in these undercover videos and you're like like it just reinforces it's all like, planned. Just understand it's an agenda. It's it's all planned. It's it's not about saving the world. These these are not the people that you would put in charge of saving the world. These are the worst people in the world. These are the worst people in the world. Not the not the saviors. <laughs> so it's it's just a you know, I, I think that people should should kind of start to question the 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 question the, the climate narrative immediately because well, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, agenda in there. Okay, well, um, you just mentioned people really should be questioning. Um, you know the climate uh, agenda. Uh, you know Gre- Greta seems to have been used for her purpose, and she's out of the picture now. And I'm sure they're grooming someone else, but um, yeah, it, you know you do cover in both of your books. Um, critical thinking and how that's being deliberately eliminated from you know, this natural human ability. Uh, I spent a little bit of time talking about how 
schools and churches standardized tests help to eliminate that and that's where you get the uh, commentators for Mike Dice's videos that Attila the Hun was the first president of the United States. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's it's a uh, you know our our education system is in in America has been hijacked. Uh, Bill Gates financed. Common Core, and Common Core has been been the most uh, destructive education policy in American history, and it's screwed up a whole generation of kids that don't know how to think because they're they're in these Common Core programs, and it's like woke mathematics. Think about that for a second. It's like you if you show you if it's three times four equals twelve, and you just write that out because that's what it is, and you memorize it, you'll get partial credit. But if if you write three times four equals eleven, and you're able to show your work, they'll give you partial credit for that, right? So what they do is they start incentivizing bad, you know, incorrect math equations. They start giving them sort of all you know points for being almost right. You know, and so you then then it then what it does is it 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 uh, well first of all it's it's normalizing insanity too when you when it's like oh I showed my work how I got eleven and it like and I got points it's like yeah but you got it wrong the answer is not correct mm-hmm. so it's like I have to go drive across a bridge that's going to be built by engineers engineers that know that there is one answer in mathematics the correct answer. Right. Anything else is wrong. Uh-huh. So I want those guys building the bridges. But instead, we're going to have a new generation of Common Core kids who learned that three times four equals eleven amps close enough, and now go now go build, build the bridge off the specs that we made that are eh, close enough. You know, so it's like a, it's a weird. <laughs> and they're talking about how kids are coming out of of high school and they're two years behind uh, when they get to community college. Like they need to take two full years of math just to be where they used to be normally as a freshman going in. So they're like, they're not just a little bit behind; they're a lot behind. And sticks are 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 just horrible about what's going on in the schools. And it's been this intentional dumbing down. It's been this lowering uh-huh. of expectations and a cultural type of subversion that's real devious. And what you what you find is that you know Bill Gates has learned a lot of this behavior from watching the Rockefellers, and the Rockefellers did the same thing. You know that when they started taking heat, they started the Rockefeller Foundation. Same thing with Bill and Melinda Gates once. When Microsoft went through its uh, antitrust suits, after that, Bill and Melinda Gates started their foundation so they could funnel, you know, use that as a glamour uh, operation that paints them in a, in, a, in a particularly good light as a charitable organization. Same thing the Rockefeller Foundation did, right? So they, but one of the other things that Bill Gates learned from them is to take over the education system. And that's where this guy has me uh, just as concerned as his involvement in the pharmaceutical industry is his his role in the education system with common core it's breaking kids brains it's it's 
introducing unusual concepts. You've got the guys that were responsible for the creation of it, disavowing it, traveling the country on their own dime, speaking out against it. Like, it's a big deal. So, so you ask the question, like, what's going on? Part of this is, is, is when, you're, when you're an oligarch and you've bought everything that has a price tag on it, at some point you start looking for things that aren't for sale, like government and the education system and things like that. And so you start to get this undue and unusual amount of influence from one particular ideological group, the Rockefellers 100 years ago and the Gates Foundation today. So we're in a real dangerous time as long as these guys are in charge of educating America. Yeah. Well, when I was uh, teaching, one uh, one of several things I didn't like about the textbooks was there were um, yeah you get from and you know, whatever uh, it was like it, just like one chapter from you know just say Moby Dick you know since I brought. Uh, could have brought that up uh, earlier, but um, it gives you a false sense of reading the entire book. You know, if you just have the last couple chapters in there, you know, uh, you know the big finale between Ahab and Moby Dick. Well, it, you missed everything that yeah you know, the first trip that you know were bit off his leg and introducing <clears throat> Ishmael and uh, Queequeg and uh, all all this other like post post traumatic stress disorder that uh, Ahab's uh, an, entire crew was uh, kind of experiencing it, uh, it, it's not giving the students the full book. I I really didn't want to uh, shortchange their education and, and kind of had to do it. it. It might be the only chance that they would actually have a chance to read the book, but it's kind of left me feeling like I uh, shortchanged their education by following the textbook. I didn't like that. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, just or, or just yeah, you know, you know, maybe next century it will just be whittled down to you know, call me Ishmael, and you know that's. Yeah, enough to say you read all, all of an American classic. You know, it's kind of like the close enough construction you were talking about. You know, kind of cut a few two by fours like that too. But uh, when it comes to building a bridge, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to uh, uh, want you know both sides to meet. 
I don't want a woke engineer who who who's, who got the passed through his classes because he was close enough. I want the engineer that that didn't have to take remedial math after uh, suffering through the the new woke uh, America culture factory that is doubling as a indoctrination camp for the kids. It's just the well, craziest it, time. Yeah, and, and yeah, you know, let's just say that the high school seniors who will be graduating in May of 2022 had uh, two two year two uh, two uh, uh two school three school uh, years chopped up they were uh, they weren't normal you know, wearing a mask uh you know, meeting, you know, occasionally. Um, it, prior to 2019, or, or, or you know, the 2019 school year was the, the last, you know, normal year they had. And, you know, those seniors would have been, you know, you're saying two years behind? Yeah. Um, yeah, now... Yeah, the 2022 graduates are going to be what four or five years behind. Um, you know, as I get older, I I don't want uh, someone who has had role models in the science community lying and uh, perpetuating uh, half truths. Uh, you know, to be my doctor. You know, you know, yeah. you know the, the, these uh, today's role models aren't have really done a disservice to younger kids. Oh, you can I get, agree. Yeah, you, know, you, you, know, you, you can be really wrong in today's world, and you get rewarded, failing upwards. I like to have a job yeah, they, like that. <laughs> yeah, I, but I bet I bet it doesn't feel very good to your soul. I mean, I would hope I would hope these people feel like they're paying a price for this because what I've been watching lately, this sort of I don't know indoctrination that's happening by this celebrity culture, this sort of real obvious push. Um, I find it to be disgusting. You know, I find really disappointing too is all the rock stars, all the old punk rock guys that are just like, they're just like corporate. They're like pharmaceutical mm-hmm. reps or something. You know what I mean? And you, 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 I look at them and I go, who, like who, who is how, like Howard Stern? Oh my God! Yeah, heard, what is yeah, he dumb? Like I, I, I've never been more disappointed. But then I start thinking, well, maybe I shouldn't have been disappointed about that. Maybe I should have. Uh, maybe I should have expected this. I, I don't know. 
I feel like it's so obvious that there's something crazy and insane happening right in front of our eyes. And, I, and the people that tell me to to not believe what I'm seeing, I just I just lose respect for them for not being able to recognize what's going on. I'm not even saying you have to have it all figured out. I'm just saying acknowledge that there is something very wrong with our society right now at this moment. There's something very wrong. Like with what's going on in Australia, in in Austria, and and the normalization process of all of this authoritarianism is, it's very wrong. Like something is broken. And the people out there, the celebrities that you're talking about, that are telling me everything is fine, everything's normal, you're the crazy person, man, I just don't trust them anymore. Not that I ever did, but you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. But, like, I liked Howard Stern. You know, I liked, oh, I, I liked the way he fought the FCC. I liked the way he did this. I liked the way he, he was contrarian about things. I liked the way that he pushed boundaries. I liked that he made people mad. I liked that. That was kind of a punk rock thing to do. And maybe it's a little played up, and may, you know, and I, and I get all that. But, but whatever. It, what it is now, I just don't connect with. And it's and it's this like, how dare you challenge what the corporate media says or what the pharmaceutical industry says? How dare you challenge that? You know, and it's like, whoa, aren't you the guy that like built your reputation on challenging the establishment? Now you're like a cheerleader for it? That's disgusting. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Where, where's Fart Man? I want that guy back. Yeah. I don't want woke Howard Stern. It's annoying. And weird, no, and I feel like he's. No, I feel it, like I feel like going like blink twice if if you're being held against your will. Like, how can you possibly be a punk rock? This punk rock attitude and and be shilling like this. It's just weird to me. Yeah, and calling calling your boss pig vomit. That's fantastic. Yeah, see, I I don't do that to Barbara, but yeah, I, I'm not that punk, but. Uh, you know, I like the way Howard did it. Yeah, but it was that's a that's a that's a challenging authority vibe, you know. That's the, that's a that's the it, was, it was a great show. Right? I, I remember listening. Yeah, yep. it, 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 and by the in, in private parts, you know, the the movie they made of of about yeah, the book no, of, no, no, of no. his life, a fantastic movie, a hilarious movie, a really well done movie and, and 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 to see that you know to see like the sort of edginess the sort of like desire you have to have to you know the fearlessness you have to have to fight the system and then to just be like to become like a cheerleader for it it just it 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 makes me go oh well you know what thank god uh Maybe, maybe thank God George Carlin isn't around. You know, I don't know if I could handle losing him. I don't think I would. I don't think I don't think he'd ever not recognize what's happening. But still, you know what I mean. You never would have thought 
Howard Stern would become this, uh, or Rage Against the Machine would be like telling you not to rage against the machine. It's just disappointing. That's all. It's a, it's yeah. nothing major. It's no big deal or anything. It's just, it's just kind of like ah, that sucks. I liked them, but eh, well, I guess not anymore. <laughs> That's just, and I just keep catching myself doing that over and over and over and over again. Just going. Ah, well, there you go. That guy's cheerleading authoritarianism, right? Oh, wow, that is weird. Why would you do that? I guess I'm not going to be interested in them anymore, you know. And it just is kind of, it's kind of adding up. I mean, does do you are you seeing that too? Are you feeling the same things I'm I'm feeling? Yeah, I've been disappointed with uh, some celebrities that. Uh, came out in favor of a certain product and, and another one said you know I'm not going to play for uh, you know my fans who are excluded by your venue so you know, uh, that uh, re- revived my uh, admiration for Eric Clapton. Yes. Let's see. But um, let's see. Wait, I think I'm starting to feel a little dizzy. Uh, oh ho ho, Monsieur Robinson, you are the author of. E- Hypocrisy, and it is magnifique. I think I just had an outer body experience, and I was transported <laughs> to Paris. But what is it with these, like, fake accents, like we had with Kamala about a month ago? And Trump saying China, <laughs> and it, then you get Dan Rather. Like twenty years ago, you know Dan Rather would get be, be reading the news, and all of a sudden he'd say Nicaragua. It's like saying it in the language that they said. You know, the, the local speakers would say it, and it makes him sound like he's fluent in, in the language, but it, he only said one word. And you, know, you work in these, uh, uh, you know, the little section on the, the neurolinguistic programming. What What's the deal with what we hear in in, in the media? And how, how does it relate to this scientific technique? Oh my God! There, you know, it's that it's that Tony Robbins type stuff. A lot of that. Uh, there's there's certain like mannerisms that these people use. I picked up on it a long time ago. I'm a co-owner of a company it does media training for professional athletes. So we get guys ready for interviews and get them ready for the draft and commercials and stuff like that. So, so I, I would watch a lot of people in, 
in the media. And one of the things that you notice is that there are some people, politicians in particular, that have some very specific mannerisms. And it is almost as if they are trying to put a spell on the audience by doing things with their hands and their thumbs that are a little bit out of place. But it's part of this whole subconscious programming of people. This type of stuff, you know, where you go to like a conference and the, there's a magician on stage and he pulls people up from the audience and tells them that, you know, that they, they, that they can see through this guy who's standing in front of them or whatever, some, some trip, you know, the, some magician's trick. Mm-hmm. And we laugh at that and we're in the audience and we're watching that. And we're going, that looks crazy, man, that it's having that effect on these people. And what you find out is that that stuff is very real. And Tony Robbins and that whole crew has been using neuro-linguistic programming for a long, long time because it works. And you take that and then you add to it the technology side of things, which is your television and the, and the wave pattern that it's coming into your – being beamed into your brain and that it sets you at a certain – wave function where you're more susceptible to to certain types of information and they've changed the sound frequency on the songs that you like from 432 to 445 and and it's it's off by a little bit you can't really put your finger on what it is but something just feels a little fishy about it and so what you realize is that we're completely under attack by the by the the media and in our television sets we've allowed them to to literally program us which is that's the television programming concept and and, uh-huh. and it's we're lucky we have a, a an original thought in our heads you know as much as we're getting bombarded by these these different uh, methods so that's I'm, that's what uh I came to understand that, that, it, that we're, you know, like almost sort of like don't feel bad because you're under attack from some real professionals, people that do this for a living. They know how to hack your brain and get you feeling one way or another. And, uh, and they know how to turn off your, your brain so that you don't care about a lot of stuff. And they need to do that so that you're not, you know, complaining about it. So I, th- I just I think that it's a, it's just an interesting scientific component of the lies. Like they they they've taken it. You got to give them credit. They've taken it to the full scientific realm to try and see how they can better manipulate us. But 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 that is sort of the truth about what's going on. Is that we are being we're under attack and they're manipulating our minds and it's really crazy. Yeah, uh, that that was one of the questions I wanted to get into is kind of approach the last quarter of the show is who's behind this? What's their ultimate aim, objective? Is it just like the new world order that's uh, predicted in the Book of Revelation. That well, they call themselves the New World Order, 
but I think that's just sort of a kind of a, almost like a catch-all term. And if we, we want to talk about specifics, the World Economic Forum is at the forefront of this, and the United Nations is most definitely involved as well. It's global. It's coordinated. It's part of a much bigger plan. It's part of the, uh, the United Nations Agenda 2030 plan, which is lining up uh, very nicely with what the World Economic Forum has planned, which is the you'll own nothing and be happy. Um, you'll be living in micro apartments and 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 you know and and lucky to be free. You know, in air quotes. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh-huh. and so you've got these these groups that are very real, and they're driving actual policies. And the World Economic Forum is the Davos crowd. It's the technocrat, billionaires, bankers, consortium of of people with uh, varied interests, but mostly, uh, I would describe them as the Fourth Reich. You know, and I know that that brings up like crazy connotations, but. But, you know, Jim Mars wrote about that, uh-huh. about how right. the Germany lost the war, but maybe the Nazis didn't. The Nazis just it, kind of shifted it, around. And the Nazis moved it, from Hugo Boss Nazi suits into uh, Giorgio Armani uh, custom suits, and they went to work on Wall Street. You know, so so this is uh, this is, by some accounts, the Fourth Reich. You know, the way they see themselves, the plans they have, the genocidal nature. um, Yeah, we covered that in. We need to pay attention to. Yeah. um, uh, uh, Jim's Jim Mars's book was the Fourth Reich that that you're talking about. And Barbara had a really good interview, uh, and I think it was earlier this year with um, Len Caston. Uh, he was, you know, did, did discuss how many of the Nazi, Nazi uh, theories uh, survived. In, in America, uh, because they, you know, they came over here on Operation Paperclub. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it just it was. It, we 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 have. Um, I mean, our NASA, our entire NASA space program, was founded by a team of Nazis uh-huh. through Operation Paperclub. They were the best. They had the V two program. Bernard Braun was working on that. They they imported him uh, along with a, a ton of scientists uh, and not just not just uh, physicists and 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 those working in missiles, but also biologists and psychologists and 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 they brought a whole culture with them and uh, you know. Prescott Bush, who is George H.W. Bush's dad, was was uh, the banker for Adolf Hitler. He was the American con- conduit. He was he should have been hanged for his role in that. 
so you know the 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 joke of of the bushes being like the american nazis you know part of that is is anchored in in a bit of of reality when you when you find the the role of uh of brown brothers Harriman, the you know the banking the the system that uh prescott bush was running you you find nazi fingerprints all over that so uh-huh and, and and two of those bushes became presidents of the United States and did some awful stuff, started some wars. So, just the, so I mean, I think that the, yep. we, we we could be experiencing you know, the, the the like it's it might not be an exaggeration to call it the Fourth Reich. I mean, it's the same sort of philosophies and principles and. Uh, so maybe we should be paying attention, but but they're making a lot of mistakes. You know what? Are, what are this operation that we're living through right now? There's a lot of mistakes being made, and so it's not it's uh-huh. not going all according to plan. So I don't want to I don't want to make people feel like despondent or anything. Like like it's not over yet. I guess is, is my point because. Uh, because the narratives are falling apart, and the mainstream media's credibility is 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 really falling apart, and and the lies are starting to become harder and harder to cover up and mask over, and the stories are more nonsensical. And we're, it's just getting it just feels like we're getting to a point where it's all just going to sort of break down. <laughs> and I'm not even sure that that's the worst thing that could happen. You know what I mean? I just it's like it just seems like the lie factory is just about to break down at some point. How 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 do we fight back against you know this global reset, which you know. Glenn Beck has a new book coming out on that. But, you know, know, one of the things I really like about your books, buy Charlie's books. Um, I I, I get that creepy uh, Joe whisper thing in there. But, like, how how do we... uh, um win against uh you know, you know these are just you know they consider themselves as elites but you know they're they're also human uh they're they're making mistakes i i i think a lot of people are seeing through it probably and it probably started with um 9/11 I think if we if, – boy, I don't know. I'm starting to reevaluate what my definition of winning is. Um, Stop them. Yeah. Look, I think one one component of this we have to all be aware of. One 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 sort of option that's always on our, it should always be on our uh, uh, you know in, in our repertoire and, and that is 
do not comply with unjust things. Do not come if there's something that it goes against your soul. If there is if you're being forced to make a decision against maybe you're a boss and you're being forced to make a decision about you know what these days and, and it uh-huh. does not sit well with you. Recognize that. You know, do not shortchange your soul in these times right now. Do do not if someone is telling you to do something that goes against the way you think you should be behaving, trust yourself and do not comply with this unjust nonsense that's happening. We need people to, to, because if you're willing to comply with what the state is trying to roll out right now, just admit that it's over. You know, just, just so, so it, it, we need people to be, awake to what's happening. I don't mean woke. There's a difference. I mean aware of what is happening, aware of what is, what is currently being done to us, aware that, that we're being inundated with, with lies and we're trying to be, they're manipulating us to feel a certain way or to think a certain way or to believe some people are dirty and other people are, are magically saved and, 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 and that, that this president is, is definitely real and they need you to believe this. So just start, start picking around at the edges and start asking some questions about what, you know, what are, what am I, what's really going on here? I think if it, we're going to need everybody, you know, like right now I feel like it's all hands on deck, like everybody that, that, that can be helpful in, in, in stopping this insanity this slow, like, well, I don't even know how slow it is, but this, this, this overtaking of society, this, this destruction of logic and, 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 and freedom and all these things that are happening and under, under the guise of science, it's so weird and, but important, you know. So I just want to stress to people that now is the, if you, now is the time to wake up your friends and family to what's happening because it, it feels to me like it's now or never. And maybe it's not. Maybe I'm overreacting. I hope I am. But but it just feels like we're going to be pretty soon past the point of no return in terms of like walking into this sort of like digital slavery, this this social credit system that runs your life type of thing like when we normalize that man it's over like our version of of normal is gone for good and it's like that i it's like that big of a deal so well no i i'm sure you have a uh very low social uh uh score and I'm sure you're pretty Below proud of that. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and yeah. <laughs> and uh Bar Barbara got in trouble. <laughs> I uh but that doesn't mean that this show is not going to get uh not taken down first thing tomorrow morning, but um you know, uh, you know, we we get you know, we've had some troubles uh not being uh you know 
just having a, a reasonable discussion and um, you know, the fact checkers didn't like that, but that's okay. You know, we yeah, it's hard are, to know are, what, to, what what to talk what you can talk about anymore. You know, but that that yeah, is but, but that, that right there. That's a design. A yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's that's by design. That is that is the George Orwell uh, newspeak. The only language that got smaller and smaller each year as they memory hold words. You know, like a whole. And 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 I talked about this a little bit in the book. That that was. That that the the current administration, the current um, Congress, has passed a a new God. I don't even know if it's an ordinance or what whatever it is rules for their um, for all the the members of Congress. Like every year, there's a new list of rules and everything. And in this this new list that came out just a couple of months ago. They banned them from using the terms mother, father, brother, sister, uncle, cousin, mm-hmm. grandfather, grandmother, grand. Like all of the, the terms that you use to describe the family, they banned them. You're not allowed to say those words in House of Representatives. No, that's what it was. It was the House. And it made me think if you can't destroy the family – outright, then you can destroy the words that are used to describe the family. And that's the first step towards destroying the family, right? Just destroy the, the, uh-huh. the words that you use to describe who these people are in your life. If you no longer have the words to describe them in something like straight out of Orwell, if you no longer are allowed to use those words to describe them, then that relationship starts to sort of deteriorate, you know? What is it anymore? I'm not, it's not my brother. I'm not allowed to say brother. It's my that guy over there. And then what does that do? Like psychologically over time, you know. So, so th- this sort of stuff is happening, and it makes me think. Like, why, why is that a priority? Like, someone had to draw up the paperwork for all of that. It took. It, it, it required some sort of effort, and somebody thought that was a priority, and then they all got together and said. Yeah, that we're changing the rules. We're going to change it, it to make all these work, make it so you can't say these words. Why? Was, were there were they getting a lot of complaints about the word brother being used? Like it doesn't make any sense. But but uh-huh. then you but then you 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 look at it and you go, oh wait a second. Now, it makes sense if I look at it like this. If I was a cultural Marxist out to destroy the country, how would I go about doing it? Oh, I'd do that. Okay, well, that's what it is. So it's, it's, it's like subversion that's being carried out by our own House of Representatives against us. They're trying to destroy the concept of the family, and you just have to ask, like, why would they do that? Why would that be a priority with all the stuff going on right now? We can't find something else. Can't you destroy the family some other time? Do you have to do it right now? You know, it just seems funny that that's a priority to them. Like, oh, we've got to ban these words. Yeah, yeah. and 
with you know, the popularity of uh, Mark Levin's American Marxism, um, you know, just, just you just have so many people who uh, reject what what's going on now, that they do not like it. Um, you know, I, I know people uh, for four years, every five minutes you know, while they were awake, they posted something totally unbelievable about Trump. But it, that exercised the orange man demon in, in them when, when they needed you know, to go to their safe space. But you, you do not see the same people saying, you know, I just love these higher gas prices, and you know, I, I love them so much. I want to, I want to fill up your tank. You do not, you do not see any of the same people posting that. Just send me the bill for you know, your weekly gas. Um, there's, it just seems like the, uh, the majority of American people really do not like this elitism that has been around for a long time, um, he's, uh, wrote about it in, uh, in a controlled demolition with uh, Paul Pot. Get rid of the smart people first. Um, exactly. There, there was the Lipman's, uh, the specialized class. Right. Uh, you know, you get you know, other people who think that they're. The, the elites, <clears throat> um, you know, like the uh, Klan, um, <laughs> you, you know, you, you, you there, there's you, you know, what's interesting about your books is you kind of you know, give us these mindsets of the people who want us to believe this stuff, and, and a lot of it just kind of. Just goes against nature, or it's de- denial of the existence of some things. Um, yeah, you know, I think we're it, it, learning a uh, lesson with, with all this being demonstrated, this kind of philosophy being demonstrated. Uh, uh, Put on the media, if you can believe that, uh, in books. You know, your book, you know, just say Mark Levin's. Uh, you know, there's some other, uh, all that. Uh, uh, oh, what's it? Um, the Hansen from um, the Hoover Institute. Um, it, I. 
I think you know you do pour, uh, present this you know really hardcore information about some really dangerous philosophies in a comical way that um, people can understand it and you have that's you know one of the nice things about uh, using dualities is you have a nice uh, contrast Um, uh, better not use uh, that that one Um, yeah uh, one uh, a- example is you know, like stopping the building of the uh, southern border wall, but you have a wall around the Capitol and Biden's weekend retreat. You can learn something about who who's making these decisions and 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 why I think you know th- those are just a few examples that can be found in your books that we need to uh, understand and not just go along with well because so and so said it uh you know we really should comply for the common good of everyone it doesn't work no and 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 the, i mean the common good that's that's what they say when they want to manipulate us you know and and and, and yeah. get us thinking a, a, a certain way i mean hey who could be against the common good you must be a bad person if you're against that you know so it's just constant manipulation of emotions and, and information and trying to get us to feel one way and, and support one thing and not support the other thing and support a new war and don't, don't think about the consequences and, hey, we want to have this built back better thing and it's going to cost three and a half trillion dollars. But actually, when, when you think about it, it actually costs zero dollars. So it costs nothing, everybody. So because my thing, my new mm-hmm. thing costs nothing and you're just looking at around yeah. going, are you putting me on? Like, are you are you for real here? Is this really what you're saying? Well, no, I feel like I'm mm-hmm. watching some sort of bizarre performance where this guy is <laughs> pretending to be the president. And they come out and they say, well, yeah, it costs $3.5 trillion, but it's really it's going to be offset by this other stuff, and so it's going to cost nothing. And you just look at them like they hate you. They have such little respect for you that they are just going to stand there and lie right to your face and tell you how all this money is just going to magically pay for itself. Like it's just poof and it's, it's all fixed. And don't, don't you worry your sweet little head about that three and a half trillion dollars. It's virtually paid for. Don't even think about it. And you're like, you guys are stealing it. Aren't you? <laughs> you're, gonna, you're, you're planning uh-huh. to steal all this money. Aren't you? That's what this is about. I know, we know what you're talking about. You don't want us to look at what you're doing with it all. And so it's it's just this this weird gaslighting that's happening to us. Like we're we're just instructed to not, you know, look at information. Well, it's crazy. And, and it, 
and uh, two planes hit the towers and three buildings fell. And we're not supposed uh, – we're, we're the remnants of the uh, Shanksville plane. And, and we're not supposed to ask questions? On America. Yeah. yeah. It's un-American to question in, in any of this, you know. So – but you, you you have to give them credit. You know, they, they – they, they're totally shameless. You know, they, they have no shame at all. They will – they will lie straight to your face about all of this stuff. And uh, because they they don't respect us. And, and and frankly, after you watch Black Friday with people lined up at the stores and then knocking old ladies out to try and get like a $3 DVD player, like I don't know how much I respect us either. You know? Like we, we part of us, we have to take some responsibility for <laughs> for our behavior as, as Americans, you know, and some of our insanity. Like I, I watch that sometimes and I go, yeah, I, I wouldn't respect us either. Well, look at, look at our behavior. We're, we're animals. We're savages. We're out here just like lowest common denominators. <laughs> like I don't blame them for wanting to exterminate all of us. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, I mean, it's just frustrating. But with, with uh, Black Friday, you know that all the college bowl games and Super Bowl are coming up, and you know they don't want you, uh, you know, smoke dope uh, during the game. Uh, that's much not good. Don't take CBD, but uh, you know, watch all these beer advertisements. And now gambling. Oh, it's, now every other every oh. other ad is gambling. Yeah, yeah. It's just to, it, it, it. It's all about controlling your your money. Um, yeah, you don't need CBD. Good. There's the pharmacy down the street. We'll write a really expensive prescription for you. Yep. Yeah, it's 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 a disappointment. It's 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 been sad to to watch. Um, we could have turned it around. I don't know. Maybe we still can. I guess there's still hope for America, but we got to get real honest with ourselves about what's going on, and we got to we got to distance our relationship from the corporate mainstream media. They do not want what we want. They are pathological liars. That is their. That is their function. They are good at what they do. Their job is to manipulate people, and that's what they do. So stay away from it. Except for uh, nightlight and macroaggressions. That is correct. We try our best to be a source of, of good information. We may not be right about everything. Of course we're not, but we are interested in getting it right. Like it, and it, at least I am. I, I just want to get. I just want to see if we can figure this out as best we can. Put our heads together and get out of this. Uh, you're, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're. Uh, I, I, I think you're on the right track, and you are illuminating 
your, your readers with all all of your research. You know, they're all you know, your comments are footnoted where where you're getting your examples from. It's all. Uh, I think you have a couple excellent books that should be be read to wake people up. And you know we're down to like two minutes, unfortunately. And um, I, I want to make sure that you know, you're given enough time to plug you know, your podcast and where to get your books and, and anything else. Thank you. I appreciate. Why well, I, I enjoy our talk. Mark, we always have a good time. We always get into the, oh, into yeah. the insanity of it all. Um, yeah, people can find my, my podcast, Macroaggressions, in audio format wherever podcasts are available. In video format on David Icke's platform, Iconic, uh, on Rockfin, on Odyssey, sometimes on YouTube. And my website is theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com. You can find information about all the books there and the podcast. And Pretty much everything. You can keep track of me there. And uh, I'm on Twitter, at Macroaggressions, but I, I make no promises. I, I've already been thrown off once. I, I expect that to happen again at some point. But uh, I'm there for now, so happy to connect okay. with right. people. Okay. Well, it's, uh, you know, we're down to a few seconds. I just want to thank you for being a guest. Charlie, thanks, Barbara, for producing the show uh, Barbara will be back tomorrow afternoon at 1 p.m. Eastern for a fascinating show. And um, th- thank you, listeners. We'll see you tomorrow.